And good afternoon, Chuck Morse, Monday through Friday, 12, right here, just fixing my comb over, <laughs> at, um, at Facebook. Um, I am still experimenting with this technology, so I apologize if you're trying to get in on the program today. That is not going to be possible today. Tomorrow, I will have it right. I made a couple of technical errors, which means that I'm not going to be able to accept guests today. Uh, you know, I, I guess you could say I'm an old fart when it comes to technology, but I'll get it right. And when I do, I'm going to have guests on this program. I'm going to have callers or video callers, I suppose you may say, uh, joining the program. So you can not only be heard, but you shall be seen. The late Jerry Williams would have loved this. It's great, great stuff. And uh, But for today, it's just going to be me flying solo, sharing a few of my thoughts on issues. Um, I should also note that uh, the program is archived on, on YouTube, where if you join my station, if you subscribe to The Morse Force on YouTube and send me an email at chuckmorse4 at gmail.com, I will send you a free ebook one of my books i've written 15 books this one the one that i'm offering for this special offer is communism is not dead it's one of my more recent books so join me on youtube the program is also archived on itunes stitcher google play and tune in and uh, on the blog site and on the social network and all that good stuff so my goal in doing this is to do consistently a program every afternoon Monday through Friday at 12 noon, and eventually, in fact, more than eventually, by tomorrow, I will be able to take video calls, so you'll be able to join me, and I've got a bunch of guests I want to line up for next week, but I just want to be sure that I work my way through the thickets of technology to get there, so that's the reason I haven't yet invited guests other than my good friend Hal Shirtliff, who came on with me on Monday. Um, the other thing I'll make note of regarding uh, show notes is that if you join my YouTube station, you will get commentary from me at various times of the day as stories break. I mean, the amazing thing now with technology being what it is, I can do a YouTube anytime I want, anywhere I want. I could be driving in my car, walking on the beach, whatever, and I'll get an inspiration or I'll see something interesting and I turn on the camera, and you will see that instantaneously um, if you subscribe to the YouTube channel. Now, for those of you who don't know what I'm doing, what I do, one of the main things that I do, and one of the things I love doing in my in my career, I suppose you'd say, besides to be an being an author and and a columnist, is I drive rideshare. I drive for Uber and Lyft. And I usually do that in the early mornings. Now that my daughter is at college and I don't need to help her get ready in the morning and get to the school, I leave maybe around 5 o'clock in the morning, maybe 4.30 sometimes. And I drive people to the airport. I drive them to the various jobs in Boston. It's fascinating. I mean, the cross-section of people that I've met is just an incredible thing. Um, and I'd like to talk about some of those people, but I um, also get a chance to listen, being a talk radio aficionado, to 
to a sampling of, of talk radio, mostly on Sirius XM. I listen to Progressive and MSNBC and the Joe Madison Urban Channel on the left, and I'll listen to Patriot on the and maybe Fox on the right. Um, and Joe Madison, by the way, is is a great talk show host. He's in the tradition of Jerry Williams, testy, irascible, you know, tough. Um, I don't agree with him on most issues, but he does a great job of presenting um, a liberal point of view. And he's a partisan. I mean, he's a Democratic Party guy. I don't, I'm not saying that necessarily to criticize either, because I would describe Rush Limbaugh, who I also greatly admire, as a partisan Republican. You know, they tend to support their parties. And um, in the case of Joe Madison, he was using a particular line of reasoning that by which he played a clip from Howard Dean, the um, John Dean, I'm sorry. John Dean was the error special counsel who testified before the Watergate committee, opened the whole can of worms that would lead to the resignation of Richard Nixon in August of 1974. Um, and uh, it's just a little side quote. At the time, Dean went to visit H.R. Haldeman just before he was scheduled to testify before Congress, asking advice. What should I do? What should I say? And Haldeman reminded him, he said, look, if you let the once the toothpaste is out of the tube, it can't go back. I always love that quote. But uh, John Dean has ever since then become a pretty big time liberal Democrat Party guy. And he is going around and saying that if it, the reason that Trump, the reason that President Donald J. Trump has not been impeached or removed from office is because of things like Fox News, conservative radio, people like Sean Hannity. I mean, they did take out Bill O'Reilly. That's true. And all of these other talkers, even a small, infinitesimal show like this of people who can get up and speak their minds and uh, and oppose um, a, an impeachment effort, and that that didn't exist. Nixon didn't have that. There was no Fox News back then. Nixon had to contend with uh, you know, the establishment news, and so thus he was driven out of office. And uh, John Dean is talking about this to disparage Fox News. Oh, isn't it horrible that now we have these awful right-wing media to protect Trump and to, you know, espouse his views? And that's why we can't take him out so quickly. And um, Joe Madison played this clip and, and made favorable comments about it. And then earlier in the morning, I heard um, Obad Dean Obadala, who's a very leftist radio host, totally focused on, like, Race identity, it's his main theme, his sort of stock and trade. And he made the same comment. He said, oh, you know, and he interviewed um, a, uh, a history professor from Princeton who made this comment as well. And, um, you know, clearly this is a left-wing talking point that's making the rounds. I mean, I'm not suggesting that the left-wingers sit in some smoke-filled room somewhere and decide, oh, here's what we're going to say. No, that's not how it works. It's it's more just that they take, it's almost like they, they take cues from each other 
it's uh, you know, even conservatives are slightly guilty of this, although it's a little different. It's it's a bit more exceptional with conservatives, but uh, with the left, it's almost like they've got a computer chip implanted in the back of their brains. They don't need to take marching orders. They just the computer chip gets stimulated by a couple of little, and that's what they run with, almost verbatim to the T. This seems to be the case with this. My evidence of that is simply that I've heard it on programs on two different stations. Listen to others. I'm going to start hearing that as well. And I think that what I'd like to say about it is that it actually typifies a left-wing point of view, which is, isn't it terrible that we have diversity of opinion at this time in the media? That conservatives, libertarians, anyone that doesn't genuflect to the left really can now be heard. They really can now step up. And the question I would have had for John Dean, if I had him on the phone, and he and I have communicated over the years on a few points, and also Dean Obadala, position calls, and um, I wouldn't dare talk to to um, to Joe Madison. I mean, he he chewed, <laughs> but and I admire him. But the point is, what I would say to them is that don't they think that that's actually not good? Was it such a heroic thing that Nixon was driven out of office without that kind of vetting? That there was no one there to help or to defend Nixon? No one there to investigate the Watergate committee or the Watergate agenda? No one there to actually look at this thing and question it? Nixon was just out there left to dry. You know, his enemies just moved in on him like a butt, and they ripped him to shreds piece by piece. There was no one there to help him, no one there to defend him. Now, I'm not suggesting that Nixon was necessarily correct and that maybe he shouldn't have left office. I'm just simply pointing out that great virtue in the fact no real investigation into the, the Watergate agenda, whether or not it was something that was you know, pure or whether it might not have been a political hatchet job. I have a feeling the truth is somewhere down the middle on that. Um, since then, we have asked things about that. Like exactly what was this about? But the point is that now we do have opposition media. So now they can't just drive President Trump out of office willy nilly. They have to answer to Sean Hannity. They have to answer to other conservative and libertarian and even some fair-minded liberal hosts and people like me, you know, doing this program here at Facebook because we now are heard, we can now be heard, and isn't that really what the free press is all about? You know, back then you just had three networks and you had Walter Cronkite who would sit there like an arrogant, you know, prince and just bloviate and say, that's the way it is. That's the way it is. That's the way it is because he says so. You know, of course, we now know um, from his biography written by historian Douglas Brinkley called Cronkite. Um, and Douglas Brinkley is no great conservative. Believe me, he's a liberal guy. He's a kind of an establishment 
writer. I think it was published by Simon & Schuster, if I'm not mistaken. But Douglas Brinkley kind of blew the whistle on on, on, on Walter Cronkite in terms of how left-wing he was and what kind of an agenda he had and how much that agenda colored his reportage. And that his reporting was very, very influential. So, um, you know, the fact is that um, Cronkite, because of his reporting, actually contributed to the defeat of South Vietnam because of the way he reported the Vietnam War. He contributed to promoting and normalizing the Black Panthers, which was a communist group that that basically caused, if not inspired, the burning and looting of American cities, particularly minority neighborhoods, many of which didn't ever recovered, some of which took 30 years to recover. It wasn't until Reagan they started to recover. And, and the deaths of black people in violence, you know, and, and fire and arson and all the rest and terrible crimes because that was his agenda. So the point I'm making here is simply, you know, that it is good that we have a diversity in media. I'm We should all be glad, not just me, I'm certainly glad, but anyone who has a shred of fairness and balance should be glad that President Trump isn't just being run out of town on a rail, that there is going to be opposition. There will be a fair hearing even if we have to fight for it, to make sure that everything is up on the up and up and that this isn't just a part of some kind of a conspiracy to shove him out of office, which is exactly what I personally think it is. Now, I say that without hard information. I don't know anything more about it than anyone else, but it sure looks that way to me. And I want to make sure that our media or people who are not part of this vet it and, and look at it and understand it and and call out those who are trying to push this. And if they turn out to be right, if, yes, the, Trump was answering to Putin and there was a Russia conspiracy and it was like that, then fine. He should probably be impeached. But let's have the hearing with with all sides presented, unlike with Nixon. And that John Dean, for making those comments, and Dean Obadala, and um, and even uh, you know my good friend Joe Madison, you know that th- th- they they need to look at this thing as Joe would say, with a third eye. This is not a good thing. You want to have that diversity of opinion at the end of the day, so we can at least get to some proximity of the truth. Now this also brings up a broader issue that I wanted to raise today. And that is this constant braying that I hear, this constant complaining and discussion about how divided the country is, how how polarized we are as a country. And I want to point out that I would actually suggest that that's a good thing. Divided. We have different ideas. We're divided as individuals, as families. We're divided as religions. We're divided as states. We're divided as various regions and professions. We all have divisions. Divisions are part of life. The problem isn't that we're divided. And I do think we are very divided now because Donald Trump and his presidency are not 
part of the sort of typical uh, Me Too Republicans who who are trying to be almost as far left wing as the Democrats and who are just trying to be part of the this one establishment view. Donald Trump is not that. Donald Trump is a genuine conservative, at least as close as anything we've had to to conservatism. He's different. So, yeah, we're divided. You bet. We have different, very, very different opinions on on a vast number of issues. I would even suggest most issues, foreign policy, social issues, economic issues, you name it. Um, and that in itself is normal. That's good. Of course we're divided. Do I mean, do, are we all going to agree on something like abortion or, you know, I don't know, name any issue in, in the media. I mean, we're going to all agree on proper immigration policy. Are we going to agree on economic questions? Are we going to agree on moral and spiritual questions? No. We are divided. We'll always be divided. The problem is not the division. The problem is the fact that in the context of that division, we ought to be able to debate in public these issues. We ought to be able to communicate because at the end of the day, we have more uniting us than dividing us in this country. Even if we're totally on the opposite side, we're all in it together. We're all in the same boat. You know, we live in the same republic. Um, I remember the the spirit after the terrible attack on America on September the 11th of 2001, when you saw, you know, even left-wingers, you know, waving American flags. I mean, something that they would have been anathema to do. Even they were expressing pro-American sentiments. Even they were caught up in a, a sense that, hey, you know, whether regardless of our ethnic background, our racial background, our political, our religious background, we are all in the same boat. We were all attacked on that day. They were trying to kill all of us, not any one or one, any two of us, but all of us. And there was an awareness of the fact that, um, of the appreciation of basic concepts that whether we consciously or otherwise embrace, we did so at that time. And they were things like national sovereignty, national defense, the importance of defending our, our nation. We also came to appreciate <clears throat> our great institutions. The fact that the Pentagon was bombed made us appreciate our military and the fact that we have a, a military to defend us. The fact that the World Trade Center was attacked made us appreciate Wall Street and the private sector and economic um, entities and big companies who are producing things we want and who are employing people and who are forces of good. And that even, again, I say includes people pretty much on the far left, maybe not the fringes, but, I mean, of course, later on they started to have second thoughts. But nevertheless, there was that brief shining moment when we were all in the same boat, and I think that that same spirit is something we need to remind ourselves of when we do, in fact, recognize and appreciate the fact that we are divided, and that's only natural. I am not going to agree with people on the left on certain issues. It's just not going to happen. It's not who I am, nor are they going to agree with me, and that's fine. I don't have to convince them. 
they shouldn't feel they have to convince me. All I expect as an American citizen of this nation that we have a public debate. People can see both sides and they can then decide. Not suppressing one side, not demonizing one side. You know, emotional. Sure, we can throw a punch, but let's not, you know, get into a, a demonization which reaches a level that distorts any semblance of basic reality, actually. Okay, so um, as I said, I'm not going to be able to open the phone lines today. I will be able to do it tomorrow, and I'm looking forward to that, and I'm excited over the opportunity of launching this broadcast and next week beginning to have not only um, participants through through the video, uh, but also guests. And I've got a lot of interesting people that I, I'm, I'm going to be lining up to, to do this program in the coming months, coming years, as I build a community online where we can all get down and really hash out issues in, in a way that is, is, is open and free and relaxed and, uh, you know, at times emotional, but, you know, always, always with a, a respect for the right to free speech. And we can say whatever we want on this program, by the way. And that's a wonderful thing. Um, I'll just close by making some observations on this business of the FISA documents that um, President Trump very well may be on the verge of releasing. We don't know what's in them. Um, on the one side, you have liberals saying that they can't be released because they've been altered, they've been doctored, they've been summarized by the by the committee Nunes's committee in in the House, Devin Nunes. And if that's true, that's very bad. You know, that's that's not something that I I think should be released. On the other hand, you have people like Sean Hannity, people like others, who are pointing out that there's something in these things that the 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 uh, FBI wants to hide, that it's not a matter of national security. It's a matter of party security, maybe, a Democratic Party, and people might be protecting themselves. Um, I tend to think that that's really where it is, and I'll, I'll tell you what, one piece of evidence, and that is that according to what I have been hearing and reading, and I just have the same information about this, that everyone else has. When FBI Director Christopher Wray read this, this memo, he immediately went to his office, Assistant FBI Director McCabe, and told him that he was fired. Now, he was allowed to go on leave and finish up his vacation time to the point where he'll then get his big fat pension. That bothers me. Why can't someone just be fired these days? You know, why does everyone have to get, you know, I mean, what, what, we're going to be paying for him for the probably the rest of his life. And if he was committing acts in his office that caused him to be fired, and especially the what he's being accused of, which is some affiliation with his phony dossier against, there's a second dossier apparently, that's now coming out, that has some affiliation with Strobe Talbot, Bill Clinton's cousin, 
and uh, a roommate, college roommate, and someone who had talked about world government at the UN. Very bad man, all right? But that's another story. Maybe I'll get into that in the future. Right now, the point is that McCabe was apparently up to his neck in business with regard to the dossier, with regard to Special Agent Strzok and his girlfriend, uh, Lisa Page, the FBI lawyer, having an affair um, and exchanging uh, texts that were very incriminating to, or at least to called into question, this entire Russian affair. You know, whether or not this was just a, a hatchet job, uh, what they called, and this is their word, a secret society, to try to not just attack Trump and keep him off balance, but to gather enough momentum to get the FISA courts to issue, uh, you know, secret bugging warrants. Now, the, 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 according to uh, Sean Hannity and according to people on my side of the fence politically, the, the phony dossier was used as the evidence for bugging President Trump, the Trump Tower, um, his family members, his campaign. Dossier was phony from day one. Now, if that's true, and if the FISA document reveals that, then that could be very bad news for the Trump haters, because that means that this, and this all, by the way, happened under Obama's watch. That means that Trump was being bugged. I mean, that's what they do in, like, communist countries or, or national socialist countries like Germany. Um, you know, they, they bug their enemies, they spy on their enemies. That's, that's, that's beyond... Uh, legal, it's beyond moral. It's it's not what's supposed to happen here. Let's to mention again, Nixon, he had to resign because of the bugging of the ultimately of the Democratic National Committee headquarters at the Watergate Hotel, which was one example. But apparently, in the case of the FISA uh, warrants, the bugging was much more extensive than that. It was much more severe than that, and so so th th that could lead to to major. Um, Major crimes. Um, Hillary Clinton had her hands all over it. I mean, uh, do, how much of this did Obama know? We don't know that, but we ought to. We ought to at least, I think, err on the side of of um, getting to the truth and get. And we should get those documents released. I doubt if there's anything in there that would in any way jeopardize American national security. And I think it's interesting and ironic and quite telling that it was always liberals before this especially during the Bush years anyway, who would be screaming about the FBI abuse and corruption, not to mention CIA abuse and corruption, and maybe they were right, maybe they weren't right, but the point is they always ought to expect our government to investigate corruption in these very powerful agencies who hold fearful powers and who uh, have the potential of using those powers in a way that, that could be very dangerous, if not deadly. I mean, I could mention here in Massachusetts, the Whitey Bulger um, uh, investigation was, there were two crooked, two or three, actually, crooked FBI agents, uh, Connolly, Zip, they called them Zip Connolly, who were taking money from the Bulger people who were just as bad as Bulger. Connolly, they say, was involved with, uh, you know, indirectly with several murders. Uh, you know, because Bulger wanted to hit some people and Bulger set it up. 
I mean, I mean Connolly, and he was an FBI agent. So don't tell me that the FBI can't be corrupted. I mean, I'm not saying that this is that kind of corruption. This is more political corruption, an attempt to interfere in a campaign. It's actually worse in many ways. The attempt to soft pedal Hillary Clinton's feasibility in the missing emails, which is a crime in which she could have been charged and indicted for. You know, the FBI is supposed to be set independent. They're supposed to conduct independent investigations. I would think that we should have this released and have them investigated and cleaned up. Uh, yesterday, I talked about how they helped cover up the Boston Marathon bombing under Mueller, who at the time was FBI director. So it goes back a bit, and it is our responsibility, our government's responsibility as our representatives to clean these agencies up. Now, the left is, oh, they, they, they're criticizing the FBI. How can they get away with this? I heard this very smart commentator this morning. Um, I think it was on uh, Progressive Radio. It might have been Dean Obadala's show. That uh, you know, conservatives can get away with this because they're the law and order people, but the Democrats could never criticize the FBI. Well, why not? We, Our government is supposed to uh, constantly monitor its own agencies. I don't care if it's the FBI. Look, in the 1970s, the church committee investigated the CIA. Remember that? And they put in reforms. Before that, the CIA was involved in all sorts of illegal uh, military activity and assassinations and black, you know, uh, you know, bank accounts. <clears throat> but at least it was an attempt to investigate and reform it. That's what the government is against the FBI. Doesn't mean you you have something against the entire institution. You have something against corrupt figures in the FBI who should be called out and held to account. Anyway, so those are my thoughts for today. I want to thank you for joining me this afternoon. It's been great fun. Check out the program on, on um, YouTube along with other videos. I've got an probably at this point. I don't know. Maybe not that many. But uh, You'll get special, uh, if you subscribe, you'll get um, special editions of the program. And you'll send me an email or send me a regular email at chuckmort at gmail.com. I'll send you a free ebook, one of my books, if you subscribe to YouTube. I'm really trying to get, you know, why not say it, right? I need to get more subscribers to YouTube so that I can keep. YouTube will, will continue to monetize the account. Otherwise, they're going to stop that at the end of this month. So, yes, I have an interest in in getting getting you. Why not? For a lot of reasons. And also, my column is up at Newsmax.com. My books are available at Amazon.com. This program is archived on Facebook, on YouTube, as mentioned, also on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and TuneIn. And um, that's about all I got right now. I want to thank you for joining me this afternoon. Have a great day, everybody.